Hey there, you're listening to the Not So Breakfast Show with Sasha Endish. Welcome to the Not So Breakfast Show today, and this is the one about the five things that could be limiting or holding you back in your career. We want to discuss them, put them on your radar, and see if they resonate with you. Plus, at the end, we're going to be talking about the movie Don't Look Up, and spoiler alert, we are going to talk about the end, so if you haven't seen the movie, don't listen. Actually, that's a little bit ironic. Also, I'm pretty sure Sasha's examples are getting weirder and weirder. Are you Harry Chicken? Because mm. you do not want to be like this Harry Chicken who's just kind of flapping around squawking because you're overdone. Anyway, that's the show. Let's get it. All right, welcome to the Not So Breakfast Show today. And this is the one about the five things that are holding you back in your career. What is holding you back? Is it something you're not aware of? We're going to discuss some things today that may just put them on the radar and think, oh, that's why I get overlooked. (laughs) And we're going to discuss some of those because we want to empower you, keep you relevant and moving forward in your career, in your vocation, whatever it is you've decided to do. And to discuss that with me today is Sasha Coburn, who has been driving like a boss, flying like a boss, all around the country today, literally top to bottom. Yeah, I've had this super weird experience today where I've flown out of Dunedin. And if you've been to Dunedin, you know that it is the bottom of New Zealand, just about, notwithstanding, Invercargill and Bluff. And the airport is about, and I'm not exaggerating, 700 kilometres from the town. (laughs) So I drove out to Dunedin airport and then I got in a plane and I flew to Auckland and then I got in a little car and I drove to Hamilton and it's the weirdest feeling in New Zealand being on yeah we've got three main islands but predominantly two big islands I was right down the bottom of one and then I was near the top of the other and I'm having this whole out-of-body experience so (laughs) in advance I had no idea what's going to come out today but I know it's going to be useful it is. And it is funny the first time you fly into Dunedin, eh? Because when they say we're about to land and you're looking out the window, it's like, it's just cows and paddock. <laughs> it's like that quintessential, if you thought of New Zealand, sheep and cows landing in the <laughs> middle of them, it's Dunedin. But beautiful place, good airport. Excellent. All right, so we're talking about five things that might be holding you back in your career, and this is not a comprehensive list, but it's going to switch on some levels of awareness to maybe think about what might be happening. So the first one we're going to talk about is you're on the radar, but you're not on the radar for the right reason. This is dangerous, right? So if you think about literally a radar machine, you've got this blip, 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 you know, incoming plane, and you go, that's great. I'm on that person's radar. But you've got to be on the radar for the right reason. And I can think of lots of organizations that I've been involved with where there's people who are really good people, but you know how the people in leadership talk about those underlings. And I always want to grab them and say, you should leave. Because from what I hear, the talk from the people who make the decisions about who goes places around here, you're not going mm. anywhere unless you address some specific things in your performance or the way that you operate or the way that you behave. But when I speak to those people directly, they're often like, yeah, you know, I know that the SLT know who I am. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, they do. (laughs) It's not great. And often those things are not fair. 
So you can have an unfair perception of your work performance that stays with you. And I know I've experienced this within the Les Mills group. Because I started there so young, it was my first job out of school, there's a number of people who still are kind of waiting for me to grow up. (laughs) And and I want to wear a T-shirt that goes, I'm 48. (laughs) I've done some stuff. But the perception that they have of you when you first arrive is what sticks. And I know as a leader myself, I've got to be really careful about first impressions because a lot of people in our organization and coffee culture, they start as young baristas or young cafe assistants. And then, you know, four years later, they're applying for a job. And I'll go, yeah, but you're just that kid who now incidentally has gone on and done Mm. other things. Or you're that kid that we used to have to be on top of all the time because you didn't work hard enough. And they're on our radar, but for the wrong reasons. I mean, so what, what can you do? Yeah, well, it, it's a really hard thing to actually unpack because, one, you may not even realize that you're on the radar for the wrong reason. So you might think, oh, you know, I've done a really good job there. But it could be that actually and something else that you've done is overshadowing that. So they're not even seeing that as as is value or you're doing a lot of good work but it's not being noticed because the people that you want to notice you're not interacting with so I I would say you need to be fairly proactive and it's not about you know going out there and flying your own flag but it is a little bit about putting your flag up every now and then and saying did you see that or can I get some feedback in this area because that's the way we grow that's the way we start to develop and if people realize that we are developing and changing they're more likely to invest in us in the future totally and I reckon it's really useful to think carefully about what your organization values and what is valued in the organization Mm. and I've said the same thing twice but there's a little bit there's a little bit of a difference. Sometimes what organizations say their value isn't actually what they value. So it's the difference between what's on the wall and actually notice who's getting ahead and what gets rewarded. So I can think of some really great people that I've worked with that they work hard and they will go the extra mile and they'll be there for you. They'll drop everything and help you. But when it comes to their core job, you go, they're average to middling. Yeah. And and I think if you're one of those people, you can feel quite put upon when other people are racing ahead because you're like, but I'm here on a Saturday and, and I'm always doing the heavy lifting. Well, you're doing the busy lifting, but not necessarily the heavy lifting in terms of just consistently delivering on your KPIs or delivering on the things that your colleagues and teammates need in order for your team to be successful. And I think that's a useful reflection going into a new work year is to say, what? how do I nail my job? And get on the radar for nailing that consistently. And that will take understanding exactly what your job is and maybe going back to that position description and rereading it. Because I think sometimes our roles sometimes evolve over time and sometimes end up encompassing other things that keep us, to your point, busy, but may not be what we actually need to be doing. And that relates to something else we're going to talk about in a little bit. And one thing you can immediately do is just check in and get that clarity. Sit down with the people who you report to and say, if you were going to rate me 10 out of 10 at the end of this year, what would I need to have done? And just set out to do that.
Number two in our things that you might be doing in your career that is holding you back is you're burning relationships that you think aren't influential, but they actually are. And it might not be that you're being horrible, but you may be dismissive of people that have got influence. And I heard a really great saying once, and it said, and it was they were talking about a specific manager, and they said, oh, that manager might fire the gun, but that one's loading the bullets. The manager who was metaphorically firing the gun had all the power, but actually the bullets that they were firing metaphorically again speaking, were being loaded by someone else and they were actually a key relationship and a key influencer. They were getting all their ammo from someone else. Some dirty, rotten, filthy snitch on the floor (laughs) was going to the boss and saying, watch out. (laughs) You're not going to believe what it's just did. (laughs) You can laugh, but I literally in my first real proper job got a couple of people fired or disciplined and I look back and I think I was young. But equally, they weren't up to it. And I was carrying them, and I was just letting people know. Mm. I'm sick of coming in and doing all the work around here. I'm getting paid the least and doing the most work. I mean, I I got ahead. I had no friends at work. (laughs) We'll be right back. Do you spend too much time planning out and then freaking out about your upcoming presentations? Then the 30-minute presenter program is for you. With our audio-based training program, you can literally learn the art of presenting while walking, driving, or even in the bath. Imagine Sasha and I right there with you. We're not in the bath, but in your ears, unpacking our 40 years of combined experience in this impactful upskill. Learn to craft messages that matter, engage an audience, and overcome those nerves. So join the 30-minute presenter program. The link is in the show notes. Get started today. But sometimes you, we get frustrated, don't we? And we, we kind of um, maybe earlier on in our career aren't, aren't quite sure how to channel that and, and maybe it comes out wrong or we burn a relationship that we just think, well, you're not going to get anywhere. And then lo and behold, <laughs> here comes the person back again in a senior position or in another role. I mean, we joke about New Zealand being small, but it, it is small, but it's also globally small. If you work in an industry, chances are you're going to connect or end up being back in business or relationship with someone. And if you've done a whole lot of damage earlier on, you're just on the back foot from the beginning. I mean, I like what you said about, it's not just about being horrible to people. Because at a fundamental baseline, we want to be respectful and courteous and polite and work well with everybody that we interact with. That's you know, that's layer one of being a human being, right? Absolutely. But you'd be surprised how many people in work environments don't. So especially when I was younger in my career, being a youngish looking woman, it's not something I suffer from anymore, as I'd be at a meeting and people would assume that I was there to take the notes and make the tea. And often it would be people who were trying to sell us stuff. So advertising reps would come in from the radio and I want to sell you some radio advertising and uh, yeah, could could you get me a coffee? I'm like, no, I'm about to decide whether or not I'm going to advertise with you. And I think the answer is no. <laughs> yeah. So we're talking, we're not really talking about that fundamental level because that's base mm. one. It's really about, I love the word that you use, dismissive. Yeah. So someone will make a suggestion in a meeting and you'll have a, like a subtle eye roll because, you know, what would that person know? And that kind of behavior can absolutely end up burning you. So I think a a really useful frame is just to when you go into every situation, go, this person might one day uh, have power and influence over me. 
you know, give everybody the respect as if they were in charge. And you'll actually find that all of your professional relationships flourish on that basis. And that's not because people who are in power want you to suck up. Mm. It's not about saying, oh, if I want to get ahead, I just need to go and do be a great big lick ass. It's about saying I need to be professional and uh, and treat everybody as if I might one day be managed by them or one day be managing them. So those good relationships are going to be critical. All right, number three in our things that might be holding you back is you're saying yes, which is great. You should say yes to things, but you're saying yes to the wrong things. Yeah, yeah. So you're not sure uh, where, I guess, the value that you add is. And as a result, we end up being busy. And I think, you know, great advice if you're new in a business is say yes to lots of things. So you build relationships, build connections, get on the radar. But it does get to a point where you need to be strategic about your yeses and maybe more proactive to saying yes to things, front-footing things, than reactive saying yes to things. I think it's also about saying a qualified yes. So if you get asked to do something, to be able to say, absolutely, I would love to be a part of that team. Let me check in with you. It would mean that I couldn't do ABC that's already on my list. In terms of priorities, where would you rather I put my energy? And, you know, your boss can say, well, I really want you on the new project team, but understand that means you're going to let a couple of things slip because Mm. you do not want to be like this harried chicken who's just kind of flapping around squawking because you're overdone and you're spread too thin. And and sometimes I think people who may be further up the management chain – more unconnected with the reality of kind of what's happening day to day can accidentally, and it usually is accidentally, you throw it little wee kind of grenades in. It's like, oh, I think this is a great idea or, hey, I'm just bringing you in on this conversation. And the problem is it can cause distraction at, at a management level because all of a sudden it's like, am I saying yes to this? Is this a priority based on who's given me this task? And we end up spending all of this time either trying to disarm the grenade before it goes off or a whole lot of time on something that didn't even matter anyway. So maybe just taking the time to have gone back and email just say, I just need to understand a little bit more about what you're asking. Are you asking me to do this, this and this? Are you saying it's more important than this, this, and this, and pointing at Are out. you saying it's more important for <laughs> right me now. <laughs> right now to stop what I am doing? And they'll go, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. All right, next one is you're doing everything yourself. So you, you're literally Whoa. just doing everything yourself and your whole value of what you do is wrapped up in the fact that you can do it better, you can do it faster. And that gets you so far, but it doesn't get you to where you want to be. And we've often talked about the fact the skill set and things you are doing now that have got you to where you are are not going to get you to where you want to be. So what do you need to change, focus on, adjust in order to take the next step? So you've got to be able to work on your ability to work with others, Mm. to get better at collaboration, to get better at training and growing others, at delegation, at bringing people with you, rather than the ego hit you get from being the one-man band who does it all. It really is harder than it sounds, particularly if you're high achiever. This is... We often hear uh, the expression that A players love to play with A Mm. players. But you won't always work on teams of people that are as good as you. No. I mean, Ash, have have we ever worked on teams (laughs) where people are as good as us, truly? (laughs) Oh, sorry. I mean, 
that that one time that Anna and Vanessa worked with us, I mean, we carried them. <laughs> truth be told, I mean, big shout out to France and Anna wherever you are now. But you know, we humoured you and your crazy <laughs> ideas. But really, so if you want to grow great people around you, you have to be prepared not to accept a lower standard, but to teach people and to bring them with you and to show that you can uh, get things done through other people, not just through your own uh, efforts. Because that's absolutely going to limit your ability to grow in an organization if you are a one-man band. And if you are a technical expert, you're always going to cap out before the very senior C-suite. And A players, like you said, they want to play with A players, but B players often want to play with A players because they want to get better. And so where's the opportunity that you're creating for those B players to step up? Even though you might be thinking, I just want my A team on this, that's not future-proofing. You know, your, your ability to develop and create succession within a company. And I think you can see healthy companies by the way that they promote people internal, that there is succession, that people are moving up. Because if you're always bringing in externals, what does it say about your opportunities or development program that you've got in place? It says they're not good enough. <laughs> That's non-existent. <laughs> All right, so number five is that you're still doing things the way that you've always done it. You're still thinking the way that you've always thunk. And and really what this is, is a challenge to think, again, if you want to get ahead, like what do I need to change? What am I not seeing? What opportunities do I need to take advantage of? Where should I be upskilling? When was the last time someone challenged my thinking? When was the last time I did a course or or talked to someone outside of my industry? Those little disruptions that you bring in that disrupt the way that you think, your patterns, your behavior are useful because they do. They make you stop and think, huh, maybe there's another way. And just every time you do something the same, you are just laying a cement in your neural pathways. This is how I do things. And you lose your neuroplasticity, your ability to continue to be creative and see things afresh and fresh viewpoints because you're just a big stuck in the mud with your brain of concrete Mm. that is immobile, immovable, and can't flex and shape to the world around you. And it's people like that that have the biggest challenges in times of uncertainty. And the last couple of years have been so full of uncertainty and chaos and complexity. It's been ambiguous. Ah, It's been crazy. And the people who have thrived in those environments are the people who go, hmm, things have changed. Okay, i got a new way that I can do things. I'll just, I'll just do something a different way. I'm just going to work from home now or I'm just going to move my content online or turns out not everyone has to be in the office. You know, whatever that looks like for you, there's one thing to be disrupted and there's another thing to just deliberately seek out new and fresh ways of doing things. And that's the challenge mm. here is to recognize when you do things the way you've always done them and go, what is my opportunity to improve? We've got a couple of systems at Coffee Culture, I can give you an example, where we put in a brand new till system that does amazing stuff, but we're not quite ready to trust it. So we just do our Excel spreadsheets as well, <laughs> just to yeah. be safe. And yeah. and that's not just us. There's organizations that are full of examples. They put in a new piece of tech, but we still just do it the old way, just to be sure, because perhaps that machine isn't right. It's adding it up wrong. Like you want to test it, but at some point you've got to let go and say, I trust it now. We, I, I, we tried something new last week because this is not the first time we've recorded this episode. No, is it, no, is it's it, not. Is it, Ishmael? 
No, it is not. not the first time we've recorded these five <laughs> things that can hold you back in your career. So when we recorded it last week, I was in Christchurch uh, in a little apartment there, and my neighbour, bless him, I hope you're listening. Uh, he was playing music really loud. He's on the floor below me, really loud. And at first it was heavy metal, but then it, bless, it moved on to a meatloaf tribute. It was meatloaf's greatest hits. Yeah. So meatloaf, like really loud. And I said, Ish, can you hear that meatloaf? And Ish goes, yep, I can hear it. But it's no problem. We're going to be able to record anyway. So <laughs> so we recorded like 30 minutes of this episode. And like a minute after we'd finished recording and said goodbye, I get this text from Ish that goes, Oh no, we have to do it again <laughs> because Meatloaf had just destroyed the audio quality of the podcast. So I felt like we were trying new stuff. We were trying to let the background noise that was good, mm. but we failed fast and we recovered from it. So I think good on us for trying something new and and recovering. I think that was the right thing to do. <laughs> I'm not saying that every time you try something new, it's going to be perfect, but you've got to be open to it, right? You've got to be, open, be open to open experimenting. To All right, so that is five things that might just make you think, you know, have I got things in my past or am I doing things that are just holding back my career? So maybe on the radar for the wrong reason, you should fix that. Maybe you are not aware who's actually got the influence, who's loading the bullets in the background of someone that's firing the gun. Again, we're talking metaphorically there. You're saying yes to the wrong things and you're becoming very, very busy, but how can we become more proactive in that space and not so reactive? You're doing everything yourself. You're not creating any opportunities for those around you because your whole value and worth is wrapped up in your ability to do and deliver. And then you're still doing things the way that you've always done it. You've embedding that concrete in your thinking and you're getting trapped. So reflect on those. Start to think, what could I change? Who could I network with? What do I need to do to position myself to move on in my business or in my industry? And I think the idea around this, you know, we built the 30-minute presenter program. That's partly because we kept seeing people who are presenting the same way they've always presented and it's Mm. not working. And that was a response uh, a bit to that, I suppose, where you go, just be brave enough to look at how you do stuff and think, I need some new tools. I need some new tricks. I need to freshen up and smarten up what I'm doing. Change your wardrobe. Change your mindset. Change the way you do your boring talks, mate. (laughs) <laughs> don't hold back Sash just, just say it how it is <laughs> so we got an email from Arthur the other day who we've interviewed on the show before <laughs> number one fan let's just say number one fan he's such a good dude we love you Arthur and you're doing great stuff man putting it out there so he, he said have you seen the movie Don't Look Up and I have seen that movie have you seen that movie well, sort of <laughs> Sort of. So we started watching it over the Christmas season, and it's totally my jam, you know, satirical, ironic. Mm. Is it about climate change? Is it about COVID? It's, you know, so politically astute and fantastic. Um, But I did fall asleep because we started watching it very late, and it's very (laughs) long. And as we know, I snore, and so uh, I got booted off the couch and sent to bed. So I've got to finish watching it, but I have read – yeah, like I know what happens and I would like to see the end because I imagine that's quite sad watching the end just play out. I mean, what did you think? Yeah, I mean, I found it. It's it's kind of just really hits home sometimes how people don't want to sometimes accept the reality of the situation. Mm. And, and we do that. 
climate change big, but we do it in small things. Like, oh, well, if I don't think about it, it just won't happen. If I don't look at it, it's not there. You know, if I, if I don't deal with it, then it, it'll just go away. Credit card balance. Credit card balance. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So so it is really interesting. And they do make comments about the fact that, you know, people only want to hear positive spins mm. on things, you know. And if you're that way wired, sometimes you, you naturally will go, oh, well, it won't be that bad. But what if it is? What if it's like the media is right there? It's like right coming at you. You can see it. And the whole media is just saying, well, just don't look at it. Don't look up. Don't look at it. It's not there. But if you don't look up, there is no problem. (laughs) Maybe I have to go. Spoiler alert. We are going to talk about the ending. Yeah. So doesn't doesn't Jonah Hill's mum leave him behind? (laughs) Yes. So they take off on this rocket to get away from Earth. Because they can't do anything, so you know it's all over down there. But and then they go into like stasis or hibernation for ages, and uh, and then when they maybe that's why the film was so long, <laughs> just waiting for the yeah. stasis to finish. And then finally they come out and they get on this planet, and they're all naked. They're all been in, so they all walk out naked, and it's not like hot naked. It's like old naked. Just naked, naked. <laughs> so they walk out, and then there's all these. Animals there that they think look really peaceful. <laughs> just attack them. And do they do they die from that? Well, one definitely does. Okay. <laughs> so the assumption is there, but isn't it funny? It's just like you know they just do the it's not there, not there. Then it's a problem. Run away from it, and then you just run into another problem. I'm so therefore. Let's just get real about what's happening. Yeah. And the trick about that though is that depending on people's spin or depending on the position that you come from, that idea reinforces your worldview. Mm. So, you know, if you take, I don't know, don't send us hate mail, but if you take vaccination as an example, the people who are anti-vax are going to go, see, you're just ignoring, you're ignoring all the stuff about vaccines. Mm. The people who are pro-vaccines are going to say, see, you're just ignoring all the stuff about the pandemic. And so people, whatever they're watching, even a movie like Don't Look Up, who's making what we think is a really obvious point about pandemics and climate change, and that point is taken by people to suit their own agenda. And that's one of the problems that we're facing, is that people are looking for confirmation bias. They're looking to confirm what they already think. Yeah. And that's why I say 20 good summers, and then we kill us, and then we're off. 20 good summers, is that all we need to have? 20 20 good summers and we're out. (laughs) So you should, yeah, enjoy the show while I'm here. <laughs> well, you live in New Zealand, so that could be 40 years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good summer every second yeah, year. Yeah, that's it exactly. <laughs>